generate is supporting my vision to improve the financial literacy of 100,000 Kiwis by sponsoring Keep the Change. Cheers, Generate. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to find out more. Too many of us signed up to a KiwiSaver plan without much thought. And signing up is great, but if you've never got advice before, you could be missing out. Your KiwiSaver account could become one of your biggest assets over your lifetime. That's why getting expert advice early and ensuring you're in the right fund is so worthwhile. Generate have a team of KiwiSaver advisors available to help. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to book a no obligation meeting. They can even come to you. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited, and of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Welcome in, you are listening to a very special episode of a Keep the Change podcast. Something I've been thinking about a lot lately and something I was talking about the other day on Instagram and I thought I would sit down and help you think about this too because I can see this happening for a lot of people out there and they don't even know that it's about to happen and one thing that I like to do is predict what humans are going to do because that means that I can think about what I could potentially invest in based on what I think they'll do and if I get it right, good stuff, if I get it wrong, well tough luck but often I think this becomes shaped by what people are consuming and what people are going to get told and what people are thinking about. Now, it is a new financial year, the 1st of April marks the start of a new financial year That means that the geeky accountants like myself were doing a lot of work for our clients to finish off their sets of accounts and to also look at what tax they've had to have paid on the profits they've made for the 2022 financial year. It's a Saturday morning. I came into the office at 6.45 to start ripping into what's called provisional tax and I'm trying to anticipate what profits our clients are going to finish on and therefore how much tax they need to pay and give them a heads up so that they basically know exactly what tax they need to pay and they don't get a big surprise and go, I fucking hate business, but someone's literally just emailed me that back right now saying I hate this part of the business. And don't we all hate paying tax? But that may not be massively applicable for you because you may not be in business and that's completely sweet. But what I want to teach you about today is where you focus your attention and where you focus your energy and how you set yourself up for your financial goals. The new financial year is a great time to be thinking about this, but most people do this around January, right, or December, and that's the time of year where people think about their goals. It's April, so our our business years reset, but it's a good time to remind people that aren't in business, what the fuck did you do about your goals that you set at the start of the year? Are you actually all over those? Are you actually doing anything to get closer to those? Were those resolutions just a flash in the pan and all that type of thing? So perhaps this gives you a second chance, a chance to be reborn, so to speak, given that Easter is coming up. New financial year, new you perhaps. What's that going to mean for you? Well, put simply, you want to be thinking about what things you want to achieve over this next financial year. It could be this next calendar year. It could just be this next month. But we're going to call this one New Financial Year, New You. 
Now, what I think this is really about is flipping your mindset. Now, let's say that you've been taught to save 10% of your income every year, and that's a good goal. Cool. What do you think you're going to do? Well, what you're going to do is you're going to save 10% of your income, and you're going to get to the end of the year, and you're going to look at a savings account and go, well, I did that. I've got $4,000. Great. That was 10% of my after-tax income, and it's sitting in a savings account. Whoopty, well, I'm not going to say like whoopty shit, that uh, that's not a big amount of money. That's great if that's where you're at and what you're doing. But what do you learn in that process? Nothing. All you learn to do is to put aside 10%. That's where I think that kind of education is very limited, and it's very dull, and it's very boring. All good and well when interest rates are high, and we can be like, oh yeah, but my four hundred, my fourth grand became 4400 because I had some compounding interest, and then I did it for 10 years, and I have buddy 44 million bucks, or whatever it works out to be, after 10 years of compounding and stuff. You know, all those sexy stories you hear, those days it kind of aren't here anymore because interest rates are low. But of course, interest rates are increasing, but you know, that whole just save 10% and, and you know, you're done. That's your, that's your financial stuff done for the year. So what I want you to think about, because I know a lot of you are hungry. I've, I've learned that through doing the 30 and 30. I've had so many messages from people being like, wow, this really shook up my mindset around money and just my life and my development. And I realized I was thinking wrong. So this podcast is designed to get you thinking differently, to give you, uh, again, a new money mindset or a new financial year, new you, your new approach as to how you're going to tackle your cash. Saving 10%, fuck, seriously, that's not going to teach us anything. So what I would then say for something like that is bin that methodology and think, look, if my income is 50 grand for the year and originally I thought I was going to save you know, 10, 10% of that, after tax you're probably saving again 10% of 40 grand, so $4,000, we're going to get rid of that and we're going to go, cool, my income is 50 grand. Now my new goal is I want to, I want to earn an extra 10% of my income. So now your target is that you want to make an extra $5,000 in this next 12 months. In this new financial year, you're going to completely change where you're focusing your time and therefore that's going to help you change where your energy goes and where your thinking goes and where your solutions come from, where your creativity comes from and you are going to get after finding another five grand. You're going to go, well Luke, I've never done that before so that's really, really hard for me. That's completely sweet too. You probably need to go back and listen to the more money webinar that I did to figure out some ideas of where some extra cash could come from for you. But seriously, can you find an extra five grand in a year? I would almost suggest that every Kiwi could do that because there's $20 billion extra sitting in transaction bank accounts for people right now than there was prior to the pandemic. That means people are sitting on a lot of cash. That means you can go around the neighborhood and go and collect some of that up. You've heard me talk about that a number of times before. But if you want some of those ideas and maybe you haven't listened to the 30 and 30, go back and listen to the More Money webinar and get some ideas around where you are going to be able to find another five grand. But it's not about the five grand. It's about the change in what you're thinking about. To give you another example, you might decide, okay, in this next financial year, my goal is to pay down my $3,000 credit card. That's great, but that shouldn't be your only financial goal. Well, hang on, Luke. That's a bloody good goal to get rid of some debt. I thought that's really smart to get rid of credit card debt. Yes, it is, 
But again, if you focus on paying down debt, what are you get, what's going to be the outcome? The outcome is going to be that you pay down debt. Now, we want to be hungrier, we want to be learning more, we want to be achieving more, so we want to be th- figuring out, okay, how can I pay that off in six months' time? I'm only going to give myself six or nine months' time. Now we're starting to ask questions of ourselves to get us out of our comfort zone to do things that we don't yet know how to do. And that's where we start growing. So it could be, I'm going to pay off my credit card by the end of the year, not the end of the financial year, end of the calendar year, 31 December it's going to be gone. And then after that, I'm going to have spare cash flow of XYZ because I ordinarily would have been paying down my credit card. And I'm going to invest that in a Sharesies account or whatever it is that you choose right through to the end of the financial year. Then I know now my financial goal for the financial year is that I'm going to have paid off my credit card and invested X amount of cash. Maybe you want to, you've got a three grand credit card and you say, sweet, my goal isn't to pay down a three grand credit card. It is actually to build five grand and pay off the credit card and also invest $2,000. Then you're learning more. Okay, where's the extra income going to come from? How am I going to do it? How am I going to do it faster? What am I going to invest in? Do I have a Sheezy's account? Maybe I need to set one of those up. And you're forcing yourself to do things that you ordinarily wouldn't do. Because where our thinking goes, that's then where our actions go. And if we're just thinking about, okay, I'll pay off this credit card or I'll pay off this debt, that's all we're going to convince ourselves to do. And that's all the actions we're going to take. Now, I think what I, I would call that is, it's contracting. So we are thinking, how can I contract? If I take you back to my journey, where I paid down my $15,000 credit card, if I had have thought about this sooner, or back then, I could have gone, you know what? I want to pay it off in six months. Because what I did is I built a system that allowed me to pay it off over 12 months. Eight months into it, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty comfortable with this now. I've sort of reached my thermostat. I can live within this. And I'd pay 500 bucks straight off my credit card, slowly start decreasing it. And I'm just like, fuck, I'm just basically... I've just got to go to work every day and just go through the cycle until I've paid off this credit card. And then on the other side of that, I can start doing some things differently. Well, what if I listen to this podcast or someone smacked me in the face and said, actually, Luke, you've got a Saturday and a Sunday that you need to go out and do some cash jobs or sell some firewood or sell some feedjowers or sell some shit around the house you don't need. You need to fucking do this within six months, not 12 months, because we need to start getting on our journey towards investing and doing things that are thinking about our future, not repaying the past sins of our past, i.e. our credit card. And that would have forced me to figure out, okay, well, how am I going to do that? Because what I did is I thought, well, 15 grand credit card over 12 months, sweet, I can work that out um, and and split it out by how much I was going to need to do that to, to repay it. And that's then just what I did for 12 months. And I just sat on the same train tracks, just going in that direction, flicking it off, paying it off. And I got to the end of that 12 months and was like, that was great. But really, there were probably other solutions. I just wasn't looking for them. And that's the trap that we get ourselves into. We just look for the end outcome that we want to achieve. So we think, right, credit card paid off. Oh, well, I'm just going to do that for the next six months. But we need to challenge ourselves to think bigger, think differently, and think outside of that. And that's why thinking about, okay, where could extra income come from challenges us to get out of our comfort zone. And we learn to focus on those solutions. Now, I think that we can't really move forward if we're thinking about contracting, i.e., you know, if we're thinking, oh, well, I'll just buy one less latte. One less latte a week 
then I'm going to be able to pay down my credit card a little bit faster. That's cool, but that shouldn't be your only solution. That's a tactic. That's one tactic. How about we flip that and go, you know what? I want to increase my income by two lattes a week. How can I increase my income by $14? Let's say that's $7, these lattes. How can I increase my income by $15? Now we've got to think completely differently. Taking something away is fucking easy. We can all do that. We can all find something and go, I shouldn't be paying for that. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of that. And you go, cool, I'm, I'm done. That's my financial work done for the next you know, 12 months. But you'll end up back there and you'll go, okay, I need to take something else out now and something else. Those are only tactics and they don't really teach you anything. It's all, it's, it's, you know, obviously these things are different in isolation and depending on where you're at, but we need to think, how can we grow? How can we think more? Where can more come from? How can I flip my mindset? Because in New Zealand, we're taught, just take things away, take things away. Think small, think little, be real basic. Oh, you know, um, put a dollar away in a bank account, all these kind of things. Fuck, you know, why can't I put an extra dollar? Why can't I put $10 a day aside? Where's that going to come from? Can I go and get my neighbor's mail in and they give me five bucks and I'm like, bang, that's straight invested or it's paid, paid down some debt or something. So we're trying to think differently. We're trying to think differently to how we have in the past. And here's why I think this is going to be really, really important for a number of us. Let me tell you about some of the things that you're going to hear about during this calendar year and probably this financial year. Inflation, well, you're already hearing about that and you're already learning about it. You know that your money is now worth less than it used to be. You're going to hear about a housing downturn. You're not going to escape a week without hearing someone talk to you about how, oh, fuck, have you heard that housing, you know, the less houses are getting sold and uh, I'm not sure like what's, when's a good time to buy and all of that stuff and people are going to be talking about a downturn, so you've got to listen to that. You're probably going to hear about interest rates increasing as well and how all mortgages are getting more expensive. There's also some terminology around a cost of living crisis and you're thinking, fuck, I didn't even know I was in a crisis, but apparently I am. You've probably got a couple of crises of your own or a crisis of your own that you need to deal with. Now the media is telling you, oh, there's a cost of living one. And I'm not saying that those things aren't happening, but you're going to hear about them. Oh, a fair bit more doom and gloom as well. There's some war going on and I'm not taking away from that because that's some serious shit. But... You know, everywhere we look, there's just more weird stuff going on around the world. And it's unfamiliar for us, and it's uncertain. There's a big R word coming. I don't know how long it's going to take. I made a prediction yesterday that we'll start hearing that in the media about speculation of a recession in the next 12 months. And I think we'll hear about that in the next month. So let's maybe, maybe I'll set a calendar reminder for the 9th of May to figure out if I got that one right. But I think we'll start to hear murmurs and whisperings about a recession and people going, oh, okay, shit, yeah, well, that doesn't sound good. Now, what do all these things do? Well, they all basically tell us that life is getting harder and it's getting more expensive and it's getting less prosperous. What does that mean? Well, two things. It means that people get uncertain and it means that they struggle to make decisions because when we have uncertainty, we can't move faster. We can't make decisions. Now, when I walked into my office this morning, it's light, it's bright, I've got the lights on, and I know exactly where I go to my desk, and I can pound quickly towards my desk at a good pace. Now, contrast to that, if I came in here at three in the morning, and it was pitch black, how quickly do you think I would get to my desk? Naturally, my body, my mind would tell me, slow down, be careful, you can't see where you're going. Inflation, 
house prices going down, war, doom and gloom, higher interest rates, a recession, all of those things for most people are going to be darkness and they're going to be closing people down thinking, I, I can't see where we're going, no one seems to be able to predict it, I better not move as fast as I normally would, I better not make any decisions. We're already seeing this. If you go and talk to a mortgage advisor, say, hey, how many people that were real keen to buy, to buy a house last year are emailing you now saying, oh, I think I'm just going to wait because I'm not too sure what's going on. I'm not sure about interest rates increasing. It's already happening. So people start to ret- retreat and start to contract. And that's where other people that can run in the dark and can say, fuck, she's pretty dark, but I think I've just got to go in that straight line and keep running, and I reckon I'll get there, I'm not going to hurt myself, and even if I do, I'm going to dust myself up and carry on. Those are the people that end up kicking ass, and we look at them in five years and go, how did they do that? How did they get so far ahead? What's going on there? How come they kicked ass in their industry, but their industry peers just did nothing, or they were the one in their friendship group that just crushed it? It's like, well, they just figured out how to turn and shine on a little bit of light during that darkness. But for most of us, we haven't been taught that. We haven't even been taught to think like that. So I could have just unlocked something for you that you've never ever thought about in your life before. And that could help you in other areas of your life. But watch, because the people that you hang out with and the people that you spend time with, they're going to start saying, I'm not sure. I'm just going to wait. I might delay that. I don't know if that's a good idea. Oh, it's a bit of uncertainty. I might just hold off on that. And people will start to pause their lives because they are worried about the uncertainty that is around through the narrative that we're all being fed. This isn't some conspiracy type shit. This is just me thinking about what's coming and therefore therefore understanding how people react to these things. Now, let's go towards the end of the year. What do you think is going to happen around January 2023? We're all going to have a brilliant summer. That's going to be exciting again and it's going to be sunny, and we'll be loving life, there's plenty of light, we'll be sprinting at the speed of light, and then we'll come back to our lives, and what have we got in 2023? Oh, great, another fucking set of empty promises from a bunch of politicians. Sorry to be so negative, but now we've got another election. Well, where's all of our focus going to go for the five months or whatever until that election is? We're going to just get sucked into all, who should we vote for, red, blue, green, pink, purple, bloody, bronze, I don't even know. But that's all people are going to talk about. And then it'll be, oh, you know, I was going to buy a house, but I'm just going to see what happens with the election because National might get in and they might change the rules. Or I was going to buy an investment property, but nah, I don't know, you know, I'll just wait and see. And we'll be doing some more wait and seeing. And then that'll be like June. And then it'll be, oh, look, I'll just, um, I'll just wait sort of six months to see, like once everything kind of settles down, once everyone gets a bit more like sweet, you know, I'll just, um, I'll know that the government's been in, in for six months by that time and it's just sort of business as usual again. All of a sudden, hey, welcome to 2024. You're going, wow, what, what happened there? 2024, I feel like we were only in 2022 just the other day. So you just have to be aware that it's so easy to get consumed in the big moment or the big thing, the big uncertainty play but it is there all the time. Let's go back to 2020. Bang. Coronavirus. Where the fuck did that come from? Okay, two years of uncertainty. People at the start of that were still like, oh, you know, this will blow over in a couple of months. But for some people, that has just been an absolute uncertainty roller coaster where they haven't been able to make any decisions. Oh, we've got lockdowns. Oh, we might have new variants, all these things. There's too much uncertainty. And 
we're contracting and we're not growing and we're not thinking about growing because we can't because there's too much uncertainty and we've been told that there's a stack of uncertainty and there is. But at some stage in your life, you have to understand that uncertainty will always be there and we've got to figure out how we can navigate through that and accept that like we said in 30 and 30, we're actually powerful as fuck and we can navigate uncertainty. And yes, sometimes we're not going to have all the lights on, but we still know the direction we need to head in and we know that we're still going to make it to the other side. As long as we know where we're going, we're going to be able to carry on down that path. So be very, very careful this year with the amount of information that is going to come towards you that is going to naturally make you want to contract, think smaller, be defensive, be worried, and all these types of things. Because we've been facing it over the last couple of years, but if you're listening to this, well, you still made it through. Well done. Hopefully, that's giving you something to think about that you perhaps hadn't even have thought about, and you might be thinking, well, how do I know this stuff's going to happen? Again, it's my guess, and it's my opinion, but a lot of these things are already happening. Inflation, housing downturn, high interest rates, doom and gloom, recession's inevitable kind of chat that's going to start popping up, uncertainty and decision-making stuff, it's already here. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's coming, and, it, and it's, it's not even coming, it's, it's already here, it's just going to get louder. Then we're going to get into all the political stuff because the election's getting closer, and that naturally, especially in business, you see business owners making less decisions because they think, oh, I'll just wait and see who ends up power and, and, and what they're going to end up doing for business. And, you know, I always say to clients, look, you can create a recession at any time you want. There doesn't need to be one in the economy. Just fucking stop doing anything. Stop getting up in the morning. Just keep thinking negatively. Don't make the phone call you need. You know you need to make. Don't send the invoice you need to make. Don't follow up on that person that hasn't paid you. You can you can basically create a recession whenever you want one. So a recession is just a retraction of people growing. And that's how I'd term it. But of course, that's not the technical definition. But when these things come, we need to fight back. And we need to fight bigger. And we need to find more solutions. But most of us aren't taught how to think like that. So we just think, oh, well, I'll just stay in this job because this is, you know, the only, this is a safe job for me right now. And I might just wait till the other side of the election and then I'll start looking. Or, oh, I'm just going to save 3% of my, my income. And I've heard that before, that that works really well. And, and I should be sweet by the time I get to 97. Um, or I might just save 10% and that's going to be all good. That's why in the 30, in 30, I'm like, fuck, let's reset the thermostat. Why don't you figure out how to save 40%? And people messaging being like, that's ridiculous, you know, and they're going to unfollow, keep the change, and that's cool. Uh, because they're not willing to try and think differently. But I know a lot of you are, and that's who I record these for, because I know there's some of you out there that want more, and you want to be challenged more to think, okay, how could I be doing this differently? And those are the people that change the needle in their lives, in their communities, in their families, and, uh, and, and think about generational type work. I was doing some work this week with some clients of ours and their purpose and their why and the reasoning that they've gone out on their own, doing their own thing. So like, we want to create generational wealth for the generations beneath us and we want them to carry the name of this business and we want this business to go for 100 years. 99% of people wouldn't even think in fucking 100-year windows. They wouldn't think like that. They're just like, how can I squeeze this year to make a dollar so that I can go and buy my bloody Prada sunglasses or that handbag or um, the latest iPhone or some shit? These people are trying to think, how can I make a business that's going to be around in 100 years when I'm gone? That's some different thinking. 
and you can do it too. You can think bigger than you currently do and you can set a new tone for yourself, new financial year, new you, but it has to start by thinking completely differently around some of the goals you're already setting. Save 10%, bin it. How can I increase my income by 10%? Then you can save your 10% plus some more. You could maybe be saving 15% after tax or even 20. It's up to you. How quickly can you do things? Resetting the time at which you give yourself to do things is a great way to level up your uh, thermostat and your ability to do things. So as an example, have you ever worked to a deadline and you go, oh fuck, there's no way we'll get it done by that date. But somehow you do. And you think, well, that was a three-month job usually, but we did it in a month. And everyone's like, wow, really proud, that's outstanding. Humans are capable of this. You're capable of doing this. So don't go, oh, it's natural to plan over a month. I should therefore figure out how I can save five grand over 12 months. What about six? What about three months? What about nine months? Then you're testing yourself to find other solutions that are going to help you to be able to do that. Now, of course, with all of the stuff that is coming throughout this year that's going to help us naturally think, oh, I better be thinking smaller and I better not make decisions and I better retract and I better just be safe and sound, here's a few things that you can do to help yourself. One, don't overstretch yourself. And that feels like small thinking after everything I've just said, but don't get yourself into a position where you're not going to be able to make any moves or take any action should some of this shit happen and should we end up in some rough seas because you don't want to be stressed you don't want to not be able to sleep you don't want to be underperforming you don't want to be lying awake at night thinking about how much debt you've got and how you shouldn't have brought that bigger place than you needed because you just thought oh it'd be so cool to be able to have Nana come and stay once a year and now you've got a fucking extra room at your house for $400,000 that you're trying to pay off and your husband's lost your job and you're going what have we done you know if you can't handle that kind of stress, just don't overstretch yourself. That's all good. That's okay. Otherwise, think about how you can make it work and think growth-minded rather than uh, freaking out. So action trumps inaction and that helps reduce anxiety as well, actually taking action around our situations. Look for opportunities. Look for opportunities everywhere you go especially if you are trying to chase more money, for instance, or add more value to somewhere, think what solutions you can add that are going to be able to help and that may in turn lead to you being promoted or be given more money or investing in an opportunity that goes well for you. And build an emergency fund. If you haven't done this, just have a little bit of cash there that you can sit on. Or why do we need to do that, Luke? Well, it's going to allow us that when things do get a bit rocky for us, we know, okay, it's all good. I've got some emergency cash aside. Shit, interest rates did just go up 1%. Okay, well, I don't need to freak out. Maybe I can allocate some of my um, emergency fund against that and that's going to give me a bit of a buffer and then I can start figuring out how I'm going to earn some extra money to be able to build back my emergency fund up and actually pay those interest rates and then carry on as normal, or maybe your car breaks down, or there's a thousand bucks that you didn't know you are going to have to pay for, all good, breathe in, chill out, I'll use my emergency fund, one grand comes out of there, I've still got two grand sitting in there, now I need to build that back up, I'm not going to build it up over 12 months, I'm going to go figure out over the next three months, where the fuck can I find a thousand dollars, and how can I build that back up, so give yourself that little safety buffer, 
and that may help you decrease the stress of some of the events that are going to creep into your life, that are going to creep in unexpectedly. At the moment, for myself even, I'm sitting on some cash, and the reason I'm doing that is I can foresee that there is some weird shit going to happen this year, and I'm not sure how it's going to play out. And I just want to have some cash sitting there outside of my emergency fund because I do actually invest my emergency fund, which is highly risky, and that's uh, that's something I do. I don't know what you do with yours. You probably keep keep it in cash like most sane people would, but uh, I've put mine into different indexes and stuff, and you know, I hope that it can kind of match inflation, but that's not always happening. But hey, if the market crashes, my emergency fund, say the market just tanks by 67%, well, hey my emergency fund might be a third of what it was uh, when I invested it, and and that's not very smart, right? But I've also got some cash sitting there so that if that happens, I'm not like, holy fuck, now I've just lost all my emergency fund. What have I done? I've got some cash that's going to allow me to be able to get through things that may pop up for me, or maybe there's an opportunity that comes up and I think I want to invest in that. I've got some cash that's going to allow me to do that. All cash does for me is give me what's called options, O-P-T-I-O-N-S. That's what I think cash is. People teach you cash is king, cash is king. Cash is fucking trash. It's actually only good if it's going to allow you to do something with that cash. Craig's Investments, for instance, this uh, month I was reading their financial summaries of April, and even they say in outright words, cash is a terrible investment, especially at the moment because inflation is just ripping through your cash. So cash is good for short-term options and to give you that security and tone down your fear of not having access to money should you need it and things like that. But as a long-term investment, cash is not very good because our governments are devaluing what cash is worth and again, not some conspiracy shit, it's just that They're putting more money into supply. There's more money available. Things are becoming more expensive. Inflation's here. So therefore, the value of cash decreases over time and the value of assets has been increasing over time. That makes it harder to buy those assets with that same amount of cash because the cash is becoming worthless, but the assets are increasing, i.e. houses, and you're all familiar with that. So just sitting on a stack of cash, you know, you're probably basically just waiting for the world to end and, and and if that happens, you're probably not going to use your cash anyway. So think about if cash is good for you to sit on to allow you to remove some of that anxiety 